My name is Professor Rachel Bodell, and you're listening to The Bible in a Year, the story podcast, where we encounter a living God that is calling us to live a life from, with, and for Him. This podcast is designed to help you listen to the one connected story of the Bible and understand it perhaps just a little bit better by learning from biblical scholars that have helped me. We will read the Bible out loud and explore how the one connected story of the kingdom of God is unfolding and how we fit into that story today. This is day 45, and I'm reading from the NIV version of the Bible, Exodus 27 and 28, Leviticus 20, and Psalms 119, verse 1 through 88. Exodus 27. Build an altar of acacia wood, three cubits high. It is to be square, five cubits long, and five cubits wide. Make a horn at each of the four corners so that the horns and the altar are of one piece, and overlay the altar with bronze. Make all its utensils of bronze, its pots to remove the ashes, and its shovels, sprinkling bowls, meat forks, and fire pans. Make a grating for it, a bronze network, and make a bronze ring at each of the four corners of the network. Put it under the ledge of the altar so that it is halfway up the altar. Make poles of acacia wood for the altar and overlay them with bronze. The poles are to be inserted into the rings so that they will be on two sides of the altar when it is carried. Make the altar hollow out of the boards. It is to be made just as you were shown on the mountain. Make a courtyard for the tabernacle. The south side shall be a hundred cubits long, and it is to have curtains of finely twisted linen, with twenty posts and twenty bronze bases, and with silver hooks and bands on the posts. The north side shall be a hundred cubits long, and is to have curtains, with twenty posts and twenty bronze bases, and with silver hooks and bands on the posts. The west end of the courtyard shall be fifty cubits wide, and have curtains, with ten posts and ten bases. On the east end, towards the sunrise, the courtyard shall also be 50 cubits wide. Curtains 15 cubits long are to be on one side of the entrance with three posts and three bases. And curtains 15 cubits long are to be on the other side with three posts and three bases. For the entrance to the courtyard, provide a curtain 20 cubits long, a blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and finely twisted linen, the work of an embroiderer with four posts and four bases. All the posts around the courtyard are to have silver bands and hooks and bronze bases. The courtyard shall be 100 cubits long and 50 cubits wide, with curtains of finely twisted linen five cubits high and with bronze bases. All the other articles used in the service of the tabernacle, whatever their function, including all the tent pegs for it and those of the courtyard, are to be made of bronze. Command the Israelites to bring you clear oil of pressed olives for the light so that the lamps may be kept burning. In the tent of meeting, outside the curtain that shields the Ark of the Covenant law, Aaron and his sons are to keep the lamps burning before the Lord from evening till morning. This is to be a lasting ordinance among the Israelites for the generations to come. Exodus 28, have Aaron, your brother, brought to you from among the Israelites, along with his sons, Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar, so they may serve me as priests. Make sacred garments for your brother Aaron to give him dignity and honor. Tell all the skilled workers to whom I have given wisdom in such matters that they are to make garments for Aaron for his consecration, so he may serve me as a priest. These are the garments they are to make, a breastpiece, an ephod, a robe, a woven tunic, a turban, and a sash. They are to make these sacred garments for your brother Aaron and his sons, so they may serve me as priests. Have them use gold and blue and purple, scarlet yarn, and fine linen. 
Make the ephod of gold and of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and of finely twisted linen, the work of skilled hands. It is to have two shoulder pieces attached to two of its corners so it can be fastened. Its skillfully woven waistband is to be like it of one piece with the ephod and made with gold and with blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and with finely twisted linen. Take two onk stones and engrave on them the name of the sons of Israel in the order of their birth, six names on one stone and the remaining six on the other. Engrave the names of the sons of Israel on the two stones the way a gem cutter engraves a seal. The mount the stones in gold filigree settings and fasten them on the shoulder pieces of the ephod as memorial stones for the sons of Israel. Aaron is to bear the name on his shoulder as a memorial before the Lord. Make gold filigree settings and two braided chains of pure gold like a rope and attach the chains to the settings. Fashion a breastpiece for making decisions, the work of skilled hands. Make it like the ephod of gold and of blue, purple and scarlet yarn and of finely twisted linen. It is to be square, a span, long and a span wide and folded double. Then mount four rows of precious stones on it. The first row shall be carnelian, chrysolite, and beryl. Second row shall be turquoise, lapis, luzili, and emerald. The third row shall be jacinth, agate, and amethyst. The fourth row shall be topaz, onks, and jasper. Mount them in gold filigree settings. There are to be 12 stones, one of each of the names of the sons of Israel, each engraved like a seal with the name of one of the 12 tribes. For the breast piece, make braided chains of pure gold like a rope. Make two gold rings for it and fasten them to the two corners of the breast piece. Fasten the two gold chains to the rings at the corners of the breast piece and the other ends of the chains to the two settings. Attach them to the shoulder pieces of the ephod at the front. Make two gold rings and attach them to the other corner of the breast piece on the inside edge next to the ephod. Make two more gold rings and attach them to the bottom of the shoulder piece on the front of the ephod, close to the seam just above the waistband of the ephod. The ring of the breast piece are to be tied to the rings of the ephod with blue cord, connecting it to the waistband so the breast piece shall not swing out from the ephod. Whenever Aaron enters the holy place, he will bear the name of the sons of Israel over his heart on the breast piece of decision as a continuing memorial before the Lord. Also, put the Urim and the Thummim in the breastpiece, so they may be over Aaron's heart whenever he enters the presence of the Lord. Thus, Aaron will always bear the means of making decisions for Israel over his heart before the Lord. Make the robe of the ephod entirely of the blue cloth, with an opening for the head in its center. Thou shalt be a woven edge like a collar around this opening, so that it will not tear. Make pomegranates of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn around the hem of the robe with gold bells between them. The gold bells and the pomegranates are to alternate around the hem of the robe. Aaron must wear it when he ministers. The sound of the bells will be heard when he enters the holy place before the Lord and when he comes out, so that he will not die. Make a plate of pure gold and engrave on it as on a seal, holy to the Lord. Fasten a blue cord to it to attach it to the turban. It is to be on the front of the turban. It will be on Aaron's forehead and he will bear the guilt involved in the sacred gifts the Israelites consecrate, whatever their gifts may be. It will be on Aaron's forehead continually so that they will be acceptable to the Lord. Weave the tunic of fine linen and make the turban of fine linen. The sash is to be the work of an embroiderer. Make tunics, sashes, caps for Aaron's sons to give them dignity and honor.
After you put these clothes on your brother, Aaron and his sons, anoint and ordain them. Consecrate them so they may serve me as priests. Make linen undergarments as coverings for the, for the body, reaching from the waist to the thigh. Aaron and his sons must wear them whenever they enter the tent of meeting or approach the altar to minister in the holy place, so they will not incur guilt and die. This is to be a lasting ordinance for Aaron and his descendants. Viticus 20. The Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, An Israelite or any foreigner residing in Israel who sacrifices any of his children to Molech is to be put to death. The members of the community are to stone him. I myself will set my face against him and will cut him off from his people. For by sacrificing his children to Molech, he has defiled my sanctuary and profaned my holy name. If the members of the community close their eyes when that man sacrifices one of his children to Molech, and if they fail to put him to death, I myself will set my face against him and his family and will cut them off from their people together with all who follow him in prostituting themselves to Molech. I will set my face against anyone who turns to mediums and spirits to prostitute themselves by following them, and I will cut them off from their people. Consecrate yourselves and be holy, because I am the Lord your God. Keep my decree and follow me. I am the Lord who makes you holy. Anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. Because they have cursed their father or mother, their blood will be on their own head. If a man commits adultery with another man's wife, with the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress are to be put to death. If a man has sexual relations with his father's wife, he has dishonored his father. Both the man and the woman are to be put to death. Their blood shall be on their own heads. If a man has sexual relations with his daughter-in-law, both of them are to be put to death. What they have done is perversion. Their blood will be on their own heads. If a man has sexual relations with a man as one does with a woman, both of them have done what is detestable. They are to be put to death. Their blood will be on their own heads. If a man marries both a woman and her mother, it is wicked. Both he and they must be burned in the fire, so that no wickedness will be among them. If a man has sexual relations with an animal, he is to put to death, and you must kill the animal. If a woman approaches an animal to have sexual relations with it, kill both the woman and the animal. They are to be put to death. Their blood will be on their own heads. If a man marries his sister, the daughter of either his father or his mother, and they have sexual relations, it is a disgrace. They are to be publicly removed from their people. He has dishonored his sister and will be held responsible. If a man has sexual relations with a woman during her monthly period, he has exposed the source of her flow and she has also uncovered it. Both of them are to be cut off from their people. Do not have sexual relations with the sister of either your mother or your father, for that would dishonor a close relative. Both of you would be held responsible. If a man has sexual relations with his aunt, he has dishonored his uncle. They will be held responsible. They will die childless. If a man marries his brother's wife, it is an act of impurity. He has dishonored his brother. They will be childless. Keep all my decrees and laws and follow them, so that the land where I am bringing you to live may not vomit you out. You must not live according to the customs of the nations I am going to drive out before you. Because they did all these things, I abhor them. But I said to you, you will possess their land. I will give it to you as an inheritance, a land flowing with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God, who has set you apart from the nations." You must therefore make a distinction between clean and unclean animals and between unclean and clean birds. Do not defile yourselves by any animal or bird or anything that moves along the ground. Those that I have set apart as unclean for you. You are to be holy to me because I, the Lord, am holy, and I have set you apart from the nations to be my own. 
a man or a woman who is a medium or spirits among you must be put to death. You are to stone them. Their blood will be on their own heads. Psalms 119, verse 1 through 88. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do no wrong, but follow his ways. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I mediate on your precepts and I consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Be good to your servant while I live, that I may obey your word. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. I am a stranger on earth. Do not hide your commands from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your laws at all times. You rebuke the arrogant who are accursed, those who stray from your commands. Remove from me their scorn and contempt, for I keep your statutes. Though rulers sit together and slander me, your servant will meditate on your decrees. Your statutes are my delight. They are my counselors. I am laid low in the dust. Preserve my life according to your word. I gave an account for my ways and you answered me. Teach me your decrees. Cause me to understand the way of your precepts, that I may meditate on your wonderful deeds. My soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Keep me from deceitful ways. Be gracious to me and teach me your law. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I have set my heart on your laws. I hold fast to your statutes, Lord. Do not let me be put to shame. I run in the path of your commands, for you have broadened my understanding. Teach me, Lord, the ways of your decrees, that I may follow it to the end. Give me understanding so that I may keep your law and obey it with all my heart. Direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. Turn my heart towards your statutes and not towards selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Fulfill your promise to your servant so that you may be feared. Take away the disgrace I dread, for your laws are good. How I long for your precepts and your righteousness preserve my life. May your unfailing love come to me, Lord, your salvation according to your promise. Then I can answer anyone who taunts me, for I trust in your word. Never take your word of truth from my mouth for I have put my hopes in your laws. I will always obey your law forever and ever. I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought out your precepts. I will speak of your statutes before kings. I will not be put to shame, for I delight in your commands because I love them. I reach out for your commands, which I love, that I may meditate on your decrees. Remember your word to your servant, for you have given me hope. My comfort in my suffering is this. Your promise preserves my life. The arrogant mock me unmercifully, but I do not turn from your law. I remember, Lord, your ancient laws, and I find comfort in them. Indignation grips me because of the wicked, who have forsaken your law. Your decrees are the theme of my song, wherever I lodge. In the night, Lord, I remember your name, that I may keep your law. 
This has been my practice. I obey your precepts. You are my portion, Lord. I have promised to obey your words. I have sought your face with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. I have considered my ways and have turned my steps to your statutes. I will hasten and not delay to obey your commands. Though the wicked bind me with ropes, I will not forget your law. At midnight, I rise to give you thanks for your righteous laws. I am a friend to all who fear you, to all who follow your precepts. The earth is filled with your love, Lord. Teach me your decrees. Do good to your servant according to your word, Lord. Teach me knowledge and good judgment, for I trust your commands. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. You are good, and what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. Though the arrogant have smeared me with lies, I keep your precepts with all my heart. Their hearts are callous and unfeeling, but I delight in your law. It was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. The law from your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. Your hands made me and formed me. Give me understanding to learn your commands. May those who fear you rejoice when they see me, for I have put my hope in your word. I know, Lord, that your laws are righteous and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. May your unfailing love be my comfort, according to your promise to your servant. Let your compassion come to me that I may live, for your law is my delight. May the arrogant be put to shame for wrongdoing me without cause, but I will meditate on your precepts. May those who fear you turn to me, those who understand your statutes. May I wholeheartedly follow your decrees that I may not be put to shame. My soul faints with longing for your salvation, but I have put my hope in your word. My eyes fail looking for your promise. I say, when will you comfort me? Though I am like a wineskin in the smoke, I do not forget your decrees. How long must your servant wait? When will you punish my persecutors? The arrogant dig pits to trap me. Contrary to your law, all your commands are trustworthy. Help me, for I am being persecuted without cause. They almost wipe me from the earth, but I have not forsaken your precepts. In your unfailing love, preserve my life, that I may obey the statutes of your mouth. So yesterday we talked about the tabernacle and Dr. Imes pointed my attention to in her free Exodus class on the Bible Project to the pattern connection between this story and the Genesis story. Specifically in this section of the story from Exodus 25 to 31, the Lord is giving Moses seven speeches. And Dr. Imes points to the seven speeches and their pattern connection to the seven days of ordering of creation, a bringing function and meaning in the Genesis story and how God's doing that here. In the first speech we read about yesterday, we talked about the tabernacle and how it gets furnished. We talked about how the two cherubim echo back to the two cherubim put in place to guard the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve were dismissed. I wonder, like really wonder what the two cherubim looked like. I know know we see different like old world interpretations from like European history, but I wonder if they had more insight into their actual images. It's hard for me anyway to get the Indiana Jones image of the tabernacle out of my head. But anyway, we also talked about the lampstand with branches and blossoms, which echo back to the tree of life from the Genesis story. And today, from Exodus 27, Dr. Imes in her free Exodus course on the Bible Project discusses the creation story echoing and the tabernacle's um, testings in the evening and the morning, where things were regularly, if you remember, like Genesis 1-5, things being created in the evening and morning. 
And in Exodus 28, which we read today, the mention of the seven-day process and also the discussion on clothing or garments for the priests. It's interesting because in Genesis 3:21 and here in Exodus 28:41, there's this moment where people are being dressed by someone else. It's like this special ceremony and it has special symbolic meaning. In the first case, God put on the animal skins on Adam and Eve. I would imagine it was leather-like, probably not fur-like, I don't know. But if you remember, he killed the first animal and made clothing for Adam and Eve. And he describes it as God putting it on Adam and Eve, which is connected to this story. And in this case, Moses is putting the clothing on the priests. I think the animal sacrifice that had to take place for the byproduct of leather has a hint of a sacrifice and atonement, a covering of us by God to purify and restore, to redeem us. This is also the case here in the sense that the priests even had underwear to not be exposed, to be totally covered without exception. And again, it seems to be hinting that in a complete and total way, we must be clothed, not by our own will and or our own ways, but God's. Like restoration and redemption can only be put on and given to us by God and his ways. So sacrifice and atonement, a covering, a purification, such an important theme being introduced or reintroduced here from in the Old Testament post-Genesis 3. It's also interesting to reflect on the fact that priests in this story could only be Levites, specifically Levitical males. So you couldn't be a Levitical woman and you couldn't just be a man. It had to be a Levitical male. It wasn't a role you could just want to do and apply for based on your interest and a singular demographic like being a Levite or a male. It was tied to one of the 12 tribes, the tribe of Levi, a son of Jacob and Leah. This is so interesting. And Dr. Imes also points out how the tabernacle had white fabric on the outside and it became considerably more ornate in color and fashioning as you went into the most holy place. And then how the priestly garments we read about today in this story are described as having white fabrics closest to the body and how they, the coloring and accessories became more elaborate on the outside. So she learned and shared how it's like the priest is an inside-out tabernacle. That's so cool to think about the connection and symbolism and what this means. It's like a visualization of reflecting and bearing the name of God, putting him on display, I don't know why, but I really love this. God is our brand. We were created and belong to him. We don't have to ask who we are unless we are rejecting our given creation story and purpose. At the same time, we were created to participate in the ruling, which had this implied fairness and justice and subduing of things that lead to death, of working and caring. We're allowed to be curious and creative and under and within the provider, blesser, protector and rescuer God. We were made to be creators in the way we reflect God and work towards restoration and redemption as he is unveiling his character and his desire for auto-tuning our hearts and minds and our behaviors into his story, his will and ways. So the symbolism of the Levitical priest garments show their authorized representative role of Yahweh and of all 12 tribes mediating between them. So in chapter 28, verse 12 and 29, we're seeing this played out. Remember how we discussed one of the four key roles of a priest is to mediate, to intercede, to stand in the gap for, not in the gap to block or distract. I like to remind myself here that the cherubim are given the role to guard the most holy place, 
not the priests. Even still, Aaron could only go into the most holy place on one day a year, the Day of Atonement. It's also interesting to note that on that day, Aaron, the priest, is only to wear the inner white garment and turban, not all the other pieces. Why do you think this is? Dr. Imes proposes that while the priests wear the elaborate garments most of the year to represent God to the people, on the Day of Atonement, perhaps Aaron just wears white and is covered to represent the people to God. It's a posture of humility and who we are without him. And perhaps it's a reminder that God is the one that puts on the clothing, the identity, and gives our purpose to bear his image and name. Big picture reminders on Exodus. The story of Exodus is shared in two parts. Chapters 1 through 18 are about how God rescued and enslaved Israel from Egypt by confronting and defeating Pharaoh, by offering them a way out through the Passover and the Sea of Reeds. The transition brought on a place of liminality, the in-between, fear and maybe even preference for what was known over what was not yet known, and a lack of trust in God led the people to grumble and complain. But God responded with provision to each of their needs, or perhaps in some cases, desires. In the second part of the story of Exodus, chapters 19 to 40, where Moses had led people to Mount Sinai, here God invites the people into a covenant with the now nation of Israel. While being a group of enslaved Hebrews, they are reminded that God keeps his promises to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the 12 tribes are the sons of Jacob. They were and are the Israelites chosen by God to be blessed and be a blessing. Dr. Tim Mackey reminds me how Genesis 12, 15, and 17, God is calling Abraham to be a blessing to all nations, and in Exodus 19, 1 through 6, a kingdom of priests to the nations. The people of Israel agree to this covenant, and the basic terms, or God's words or commandments, are created, and then about 52 more instructions on internal and external ways to restore and redeem cultural practices, which help the people towards being and becoming God's representatives and putting him on display, which leads to blessing, flourishing, provision, future progeny, and being a blessing to all nations. In this story in Exodus, God is also making his sanctuary a special place. There are echoes to Genesis 2 in the creation story where he made the special place where God can dwell with and among his people. There are details given in Exodus 25 to 31 that we've been reading about, the sanctuary, the tent, and tabernacle. And both Dr. Tim Mackey and Dr. Carmen Imes both emphasize how this story is like a portable Garden of Eden story. It's so cool, with lots of symbolism to the Genesis creation story. Then we will read in Exodus 32 and 34 how something goes wrong, and we'll read more about that soon enough. And we also talked more about Leviticus today, and I'll do a zoomed out big picture overview of where we're at in Leviticus tomorrow. I also love how Psalms really helped me to posture my heart and position my thinking when reading about the laws today. Pray for me, I'm praying for you. My prayer is this, found in Philippians 1, 9 through 11, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. What is this fruit? It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Galatians 5, 22 through 24. See you tomorrow.